How many are excited about what God is doing? Yes, yes. How many was here at our New Year's Day service? Well, we had a good time, didn't we? Yeah, we declared some things. and heard, You know, I was really impressed with what I heard everybody say. I was really impressed with, with what, you know, the heart and the passion that you have to pursue and to seek after God. I was really impressed with that. And, uh, I, you know, you, you think, well, I know everybody does that, but we don't really know what some of, the, some of you guys that are real quiet and don't really say a whole lot, and some of you spoke last week, and I was really, I mean, it really thrilled and excited me to hear your heart and that you're pursuing God with passion and, and, in, and you're desiring that intimacy. So as we start today, and this is the first Sunday, I feel like I've been teaching all week because we had a little meeting yesterday, Wednesday, and so I don't know, I'm probably going to repeat some things for some of you that's been in some of these meetings, but but as I was thinking about 2020, and and I, I'm thinking, God, what, what is it you want me to say? I always ask God, what do you want me to say? You know, I'm not one of those who just goes back and say, I think I'll just do this one today, or go back. I have, I have Bible studies back to 1992, so I have plenty that I can do, but I always want to hear what God is saying for the moment. And you know, as um, after we had the thrill of our life, I mean, you, this may not be a big deal to you, but on New Year's Day, our granddaughter had called and said, I need some advice. Well, that was a big deal to us, right? Usually they're wanting to give you advice at 18, you know. And so she just she just said, I just don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, she's in college, but she's not real thrilled with it. I mean, she loves to studying, but she doesn't know where she wants to go with it. And and so we, we just kind of sat with her for a little while and we talked and, and you know, we just said, Lily, what do you want to do? Well, I don't know. I know I want to be in business. Well, what kind of business? Well, I don't know. And I said, well, what are you good at? And she began to talk about, I said, what do you enjoy doing? Now, this is a kid that set up her own YouTube channel and made, what she's tell us, $14,000 in five months on just on starting up a YouTube channel. So she's pretty much an entrepreneur. But she didn't want to do that anymore. She said, that's not what I want to do. So we, we just encouraged her. We told her how important it is to put God first. And I'm, this is for every one of us. How important it is to put God first. And when we put God first, he's going to start downloading those witty inventions that he promises us in the book of Proverbs, right? And we talked to her about the witty inventions. We talked to her about the ideas. So at 1.30 she, in the morning, she emails us or texts, emails us and, and God had already downloaded her whole plan her name of her business, and she sent us some, some pictures of what God had given. She's also an artist. And I'll leave that till later because she can... But my whole point is, a lot of people are kind of wandering through life saying, what am I supposed to be doing? What is my call for 2020? And, and you, don't have to be, you don't have to be 18. You can be 50, 60, 70, 80, and still wondering, God, you know, God, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? And I honestly think we make it far more difficult than it really is. I really do. I mean, in here, ask yourself even recently, God, what do you want me to do? Is anybody, anybody, I see a lot of hands going up. Yeah, what do you want me to do? You know, there's times when seasons in our life change, right? You know, in 1997, when I left corporate America, that door was closed and God closed it. Now, it would be foolish for me to try to go back and reopen that door. Number one, I don't want to. But, you know, sometimes if we get, if we get discouraged or depressed, we'll go back to what worked before. And God may not be in that. See, God's not always in, the, you know, when he closes the door, I think most of the time, maybe all the time, he wants it to stay closed. 
And so many times if we, you know, we'll, we'll know God closed the door and then there's a time of wandering. And this is not even where my notes are, so I don't, don't worry about it. But there's a time of maybe wandering or finding ourselves. God, what do you really want me to do? But there also might be a time where God's trying to work out some things to put you in the place that he can use you where he needs for you to be. Just like Joseph. We say it all the time. The Joseph that went in the pit was not the Joseph God needed in the palace. And so there was a time of things that might have been hard to understand for Joseph. Why did he get thrown in prison? But God was, the word tells us in Psalms that he, can, he tested Joseph with, with the word until the time would come that he would fulfill what he had planned for him to do. So if some of you are kind of in that wandering stage, I just want to say be patient. Sit still and let God speak to your heart. And it's really quite simple. And I'm going to show you in a moment what we're all called to do. Every one of us are all called to do something, one thing, two things, three things. Okay? So, um, and I I just want to, excuse me, my voice. So as we move into 2020, I really believe there's a global call going out to the church. I really do. And I believe it's like none I've ever heard in the 40 years I've served the Lord. There's a global call. There's a global sense of urgency. And then I hear this person or that person or this minister or that minister, this prophet or that prophet, and we're all saying the same things. God is speaking, and I'm just saying, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And that you are the church. We're the church. Not the building. is you. You're the church. You're the people. And I believe that we're called to do specifically what God has asked us to do and not on our own thing. We're called to do specifically what he has, is asking us to do. But I also believe that as our involvement in that calling is going to be directly related to the spiritual gifts that we have. You each have spiritual gifts. I believe that the calling will find you if you know how to recognize the opportunities God gives. I believe the calling will find you if you know how to recognize the gifts God has given you. Many people think, what if I miss God? Or what if God misses me? You're not going to miss God, and God's not going to miss you if your heart is in tune. If you're seeking to know God, you're going to find God. And he's going to find you. You don't have to worry. Don't get, you know, I know that from the time I left corporate America, I thought the next week God had this great thing for me to do. Well, I mean, it you know, took me about two years to really kind of figure out what God really wanted me to do. Because when I left corporate America, I had no clue what God wanted me to do. I just knew it was time, that door was closing. And it was time for it to close, and I'm so glad it did close. It was a wonderful time. But let me tell you, what God has for us is far greater than, far more exciting, far more rewarding. And I do believe that too many people get off track because they base their calling on what they see others doing. For example, you know, Reinhard Bonnke just passed away, but you know, you, maybe you truly have a passion and a heart for evangelism. So in your mind, you see Reinhard Bonnke in Africa with millions and millions of people. Oh, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to Africa and I'm going to be an evangelist. Well, that, that image that you have of what Reinhard Bonnke was called to be may not be the image God has for you, and yet you're still called to be an evangelist. We'll talk about that again in a minute. There are so many other things. I also believe that preparation for our calling in our life occurs in the most unspectacular places. Many times the very hard things that you're going through is simply the preparation for the next thing that God has for you to do. Are we going to pass the test? Are we going to learn the lessons? And if we don't learn the lessons, let me tell you, the test will keep coming around. What happened when you were in school and you flunked a test? 
You had to retake it, right? You had to get in there and study and, and, and do a little more preparation and, and all of this. And, you know, but it's, it, life is pretty much the same way. We need to learn the lesson. The past, we talked about the past last week. The past is very profitable for us if we learn from it. But it's not supposed to dictate our future or control our future. It's supposed to enhance our future. And I believe that every calling of every person has one goal, and that's to bring glory to God. It's not about dollars. It's not about houses. It's not about businesses. It's about bringing glory to God. And when we were sitting with our little granddaughter and we were telling her this, and we said, Lily, you know, I, this is what I have learned. Everything I do, I want it to involve people. People are important. And she said, well, I don't want to be a counselor, and I don't want to do this. And I said, we're not talking about that. Do what you want to do. Sell jelly if you want to, whatever you want to do. But the money that you make, you bless people with it. So in her plan that God gave her that she sent us at 1.30 in the morning, she said, I'm giving 10% to mental health and 10% to suicide prevention. So she was listening. So see, we get all hung up. You know, and so many times people think, well, I'm called, if I'm called to teach, I'm, I'm supposed to be behind a pulpit. Not necessarily. 2% of the people in the body of Christ stand behind a pulpit. The rest are outside the doors. Now, God might call you to do that. He might call you to teach a class. But let me tell you, if you pursue God, he's going to open opportunity. The Bible says if we delight in him, he'll give us the very desires of our heart, right? So we have to be careful in what we're, we're asking. But we want to ask ourselves, how did Jesus call his disciples? How did he call his disciples? Look at Matthew four eighteen through 20. He says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Isn't it interesting Jesus went to their place of occupation? Where did David learn how to defeat Goliath? His place of occupation. It was when he was learning how to kill the bear and the lions that he also learned how to kill Goliath, right? You know, all this time that I was in corporate America, I said, God, what's this got to do with ministry? And he said, things you learn here, you will use. And that's the truth. You learn about your weaknesses. You learn about some things you need to get rid of, you know. You learn about people. You learn administrative things. All, nothing's a waste. And that's what he said. He said, nothing's a waste in life if you give it to me. So he said he called them while they were fishermen. He said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets. See, when we get the call, we've got to be ready to immediately leave whatever it is that God is asking us to leave. Yeah. We get, yeah, we, he's asking us to be deployed. Are we prepared? We need to get, I don't know if we've recorded Wednesday or not. Luke 5. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at a tax booth. And he said, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. So the principle is that disciples of Jesus are called first to follow him. Right? To follow Jesus. The first call of any person, the first call of any disciple is to follow Jesus. And let me tell you what that word follow means. I looked it up, okay? It means that Jesus is the leader and we are to follow, obey, imitate, act on every word or every command and every example that Jesus set. So whether you're, not, if, if you're, if you're working in a bit, you're an accountant, if you're working in your accounting, you do everything to bring glory and honor to God. You follow his examples of integrity, of being kind to people, not trying to, you know, to push the envelope beyond what's really allowable, not taking advantage of people. So, so we follow that example in everything that we do. We are his disciples. And there's a need for the kingdom of God to arise in the earth and become visible in our schools, our government, our businesses. But for this to happen, we must all first learn how to follow him. 
There's a need for the kingdom of God to arise. And Jesus said in John 14, 21, he says, if you love me, you're going to obey me. See, the problem is there's too many people that are professing the name of Christian that aren't disciples or aren't really followers of Christ. And the, problem, the sad thing is some of them haven't been taught. Some of them have not been taught how to be a father. They just know we come in, you put your name on a, a list, and you're good, you're Christian, you're ready to go. And nothing has changed and nothing's happened in the life. So when we, when we choose to follow Jesus, everything changes, Right? I said, you know, when it happened to my, when I got born again, it's like somebody flipped the lights on in a dark room. Isn't that right? It's just, it's like, ah, oh, the lights are on. I never thought like this before. Suddenly this became very important to me where I couldn't even hardly endure it before. But the word of God is, is it, it's alive and it's supposed to be alive inside of us and we obey him. The problem is that we're doing before we have become like him or we're not following. In other words, we're out here doing the works of ministry, but we haven't become a follower of Christ. And it creates a lot of problems in the body of Christ. And sometimes it's out of ignorance. A lot of lack of, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Some people just don't know what they don't know. And so it's our responsibility. And what happens when we do that, when we're burning on our own resources, we burn out, we hurt others, we get offended, and we walk away. And we abort the mission. And we operate in, a wor- in word but not in power. And see, that's been my question for God for 20 I said, God, I'm so tired of reading about the power in the New Testament. I'm so tired of reading about Peter's shadow healing the sick. And, and, we, and we, you know, we just get all excited if somebody gets their headache, goes, gets a little better during a church service. Where's the power of God? Where's the laying on of the sick and they recover? Where's raising the dead? Where's casting out devils? I'm so tired of hearing that. And we live in a, in a world that's, that's word-enriched but not power-enriched. And we were talking about this in prayer last night. We have a Christless Christianity. We have a repentless Christianity. We can just come and, well, I'm a believer, but I don't have to repent. I don't have to change. I don't have to follow Christ. And we, we try to make this happen in our life, and we try to make, make things happen in our life, and we're running on our own energy and our own power, and we burn out. And God's not in any of it. But we have a powerless gospel, and I believe the call for 2020 is that the world needs to see the unshakable and the powerful gospel of the, of the kingdom of God. That's what we have to do. We have to understand that the unshakable kingdom is what God is giving us an opportunity to be a part of. To, to That unshakable kingdom that we can take into the schools and the governments, to, to our businesses. Hebrews 12, 28 says... Since we are receiving our right to an unshakable kingdom. You know, as born, a born-again child of God, you have a right to the unshakable kingdom of God. We should be extremely thankful and offer God the purest worship that delights His heart as we lay down our lives in absolute surrender. We're hearing that word. We heard it last night, didn't we? We heard it Wednesdays. You were just absolute surrender to the things of God. Absolute surrender to this word. If His word says that I have to walk in purity, I walk in purity. It might mean some lifestyles have to change, right? might mean we have to get rid of some relationships. It means we might have to forgive, regardless of what someone has done for it to us. I work with a guy in, in another county, and he says, I'm just not going to ever forgive my brother for what he did for me. And I said, well, how's that working for you? He says, he's miserable. And he's on all kinds of issues. I said, how's that been working for you? Well, you don't know what he did. I said, I don't care what he did. Forgiveness is for you, not for him. It's for your benefit, not his benefit. We can't undo what he did. 
but we can undo the fact that he continues to control you with it through your hatred and unforgiveness. So when the Word of God says we, we, we have to do what his Word says, we have to know what the Word says. When God speaks that word to our ear to say, go this way, we go this way. We don't deviate to the left or to the right. We don't make excuses for the word. We don't, we don't make situational um, ethics, so to speak, for the word of God. Well, I know it says this, but God understands my situation. This is what God understands, the word. And we can make excuses all day long for all these social agendas that are compromising the word of God, but they don't hold water to God. And we wonder why God doesn't answer our prayers. It says, for our God is holy, devouring, a holy, devouring fire. So unshakable rights, we have the right to unshakable faith in Christ. That's what we have the right to, unshakable faith in Christ. We have the right to unshakable love for Christ. We have the right to unshakable obedience to Christ. And we have the results is going to be unshakable power in our life. Do you believe, I want to ask you, and just answer this honestly, think about it to yourself, do you really believe that you can lay hands on the sick and they recover? Do you really believe that you have enough of the power and presence of God inside of you that you can cast out a devil? Do you really believe that? Do you ever wonder why it doesn't happen? See, we can believe a lot of things, but what's really happening? We've got to get real this year, right? It's not, you know, I'm, I'm tired of the carrot out in front of us. Well, we just keep on doing it. You know, God, that's not God doing that. If there's a problem with something happening that this says, we're, God's not the problem, right? So we pursue God and we seek God. And, and you know, we, we were talking yesterday about how we're asking God to reveal every little thing in our hearts. To go through and just reveal every little thing in our heart. And it's surprising the little tiny things that he's revealing that he says, this has got to go if you want my power. This has got to go. This attitude's got to go if you, if you want my power. This, this word, this thought's got to go if you want my power. God's not going to tolerate being critical of other people. He's not going to tolerate belittling other people. He's going to tolerate gossip and slander. not going to tolerate it. And we, so we do this and we say, God, we just want your power. But we got all this junk in our hearts and in our lives. And he said, I just want your heart. I want it to be. See, God's got to have a heart that's pure. You know, John, Jesus said in John's gospel, he said, he said, the evil genius is coming, but he has nothing in me. Nothing in me belongs to me, to him, and he has no power over me. So you think about that. How much, you think about the power that Jesus had, which was limitless, right? Nothing in him belonged to the enemy. What about you? What about me? How much power do we have? The power is directly related to the, the, what the enemy has in common in our life. So if we have hatred, we have unforgiveness, we have bitterness, we have resentment, we have lust, we have all these things operating in our life, then that's going to diminish the power. And that's why the church has no power, because all these things are operative in the church. I'm at the global church. We don't give the kingdom its power, it's God's power. And we don't give the kingdom its character, it's God's character. We have to come into agreement. We are called to be brokers of the kingdom. We're called to be the designated agents representing God's kingdom in the earth. That's who the church is. <clears throat> that means we represent his character and we represent his power. And this is why we have to follow Jesus if we want his kingdom power to operate through us. This is why we have to follow him. We have the same call. Matthew 10, 
This is what Jesus told his disciples to do. This is a demonstration of the unshakable kingdom. He sent, his, he sent his disciples out. He said, this is what I want you to do. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. That's what every one of us are called to do. Matthew 11, he says, John was saying, is this really the Messiah? This is what Jesus, you go tell him. The blind are seeing, the lame are walking, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is being preached to the poor. This is what we're called to do. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. So you say, well, I don't know what I'm called to do. You're called to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. Where are you going to do it? Where do you want to do it? Where do you want to do it? Yeah, you have a job as an accountant. Do it there. Where do you want to do it? Where you, wherever you have been sent is where God has deployed you. Where do you want to do it? See, we get all hung up. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do. I've got to sit and pray for six weeks. Where does God, just choose somewhere and go work there. And then heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out demons. It's simple, isn't it? It's so simple. And we get all hung up on, I don't know what I'm going to do. I've got to sit and fast and pray for six months, and then maybe God's going to point me in a direction. He said, get up off of it and go do something. Heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out demons. So it's so simple, isn't it? It's really so simple. And then he said in Matthew 28, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Now, as, you, as we make disciples, what are we going to teach them? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. That's what we're going to teach them to do. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even until the end of the earth. Even until the end of the earth. So you see, the calling for 2020 is the same calling that Jesus gave to his. You go out into a world that's lost. You present the kingdom message. You heal the sick. You raise the dead. You cast out devils. Let me tell you, if you start casting out some devils, and people are going to get born again, right? You know, the first place Jesus cast them out was in the church. We'll just say law on that one, okay? And when we're faithful in just the little things then God gives us opportunity for other things. But many times we want to kind of jump grades. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I've finished kindergarten, but now I want to go right on, on to college. No, well, you've got a few things you need to learn. And a lot of times people will get discouraged because they want, you know, they want behind the pulpit when they haven't been faithful in even coming to church. You know what I'm saying? You might... <laughs> so we see that the kingdom is a kingdom of power. It's not a kingdom of entertainment. When people come to together as we do here things should change in their lives we didn't bring you here to entertain you we didn't invite you to be entertained we invited you to be changed we invited you to be healed we invited you to be set free did you feel that i walked in this morning the presence of god was so intense just i just wanted to stop and just sit and think god thank you because you're going to do what you do because god knows every single need that every one of us have right Johnna, your need is going to be different than Donna G's need or Charlene's need, but he knows what you need, and he's really the only one that can, that can meet that need. So what do we have to do? We have to create an environment where Holy Spirit can move and meet those needs. But then we have an obligation to walk in obedience to the Word, right? Even in, in, our, in, our, sick, in our sicknesses, I'll say it again, I say it all the time, you may not get a miracle, but you'll get a plan for health. God always gives us a plan. 
For our finances, you may not get a miracle, but you'll get a plan. How many's getting out of debt this year? We're believing we're getting out of debt, and that's going to take a miracle. That's going to take a real plan, right? <laughs> we need a plan. But you know what? Our God's greater. He owns all the gold and silver and cattle on a thousand hills, can't he? But see, we have to hear the plan. We have to walk in what he tells us. We have to be obedient. We have to walk in love. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It's living by God's power. You know, I read an article, and I told the group this yesterday, I read an article from one of the Hillsong worship leaders, and it was so sad because he's questioning his faith. And he gave some reasons why he questioned his faith. He said, uh, number one, you have all these pastors that are falling in and out, you know, all whatever they're going through. And he says, nobody talks about it. Then you have all these miracles that the Bible talks about, but we don't see them. Nobody talks about it. So we just come into our organizational structures, and we go through the motions, and are we really any different than any other faith when we don't have the power present? Our goal for 20, we are saying, God, show us how to create an environment where your power is present and where you can move. Show us how to create an environment where we can get out of your way. We don't want to just do three songs, announcement, sermon, take up the offering and leave. We want lives to be changed. So Paul says the kingdom is not just a lot of talk, but it's power. See, the word is confirmed with what? Signs and wonders and miracles. When I tell you, Psalm, tell, Psalm 103 says, you're, the Lord God heals all your diseases, you should take that word and say, this is truth, this is power. 1 Corinthians 2, 4 says, and my message and my preaching were very plain. See, we're, going out, we're looking for all the articulate speakers. Paul says, that's not me. He said, I'm not very articulate. I'm pretty plain. He says, rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you rather hear somebody speak who can impart power to you or just somebody to tickle our ears? Power. We want power to overcome. God's given us that. 1 Thessalonians 1.5 says, For when we brought you the good news, it was not only with words but also with power, for the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true. God confirms his word with signs and wonders following. Not just here in the church, but on your job. When you're talking to somebody and somebody's saying to you, Charlene, I'm bound up in drugs and alcohol. Now, she's a counselor. She's a licensed counselor. She does it by the book, by the state. But, you know, there's also a part of her that's filled with the power of holy God. And she's praying for them. And in the name of Jesus, we cast out that... You you have to do that carefully, I know. Cast out that spirit of addiction. You have to be careful. As Lance says, you have to go in sometimes through the back door. But you know the power that you have. We have people tell us all the time, it's, we need something more. This is not working. We need the power of God in our lives. And then we have what Jesus said again. Let me just remind you. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. I think sometimes we are so concerned with the presentation that we, we omit the power. We're so concerned with the presentation that we omit the power. And I think people are getting tired of that. We see so many young people that are leaving the church. Let me tell you something. Young people crave a demonstration of power. Young people desire a, dem- people desire a demonstration of power. This is some st- statistics I found. Just, you know, all of these superheroes. I-, I like those movies. I think they're cute. You have to wade through some of the sorcery and the witchcraft, but, you know, you can see some. And I thought, I love Star Wars. We saw it twice, and there's a great spiritual overtones in it. 
great spiritual overtones. You've got to get by a few things, but, but that's okay. But look, these are just some statistics, on, and we don't even have the Star Wars on here yet. The Avengers Endgame, we didn't see that one. 2019, do you know what it brought in worldwide? Help me, this is $2.7 billion, billion dollars. Why? Because people want action. They want power, don't they? They want to see a demonstration of the power. You know, we used to, when we, our grandson was younger and we'd take him to a movie, unless they were blowing up something, he didn't want to go see it. And really, he said that. Are we going to get to blow up anything, Mimi? I said, well, I don't know about this. I don't want to see that one. 2018, the Avengers again, $2 billion. The Avengers again, that must be a pretty powerful movie here. 2012, one and a half billion. Again, the Avengers, Age of Ultron, 2015, 1.4 billion. People are desiring and craving a demonstration of power. Why don't we show them that in the church? Why don't we show them that on the job, where we work? Let me tell you, you have been endued with power from on high. You have Holy Spirit. Lori was telling me it's just something God dropped in her heart about having the glory of God in us. Well, we're supposed to, theoretically, we have the glory of God, but do we really walk in it? Like we said, just because we call ourselves Christian doesn't mean the glory of God is living in us as it should be. We need the power of Holy Spirit. We baptized five here Wednesday, and they're, they're walking in that newness of power. So beautiful, so powerful, wasn't it? It was so powerful. I loved what uh, John, is he here? John said, you know, he's back there. I love what he said, and, you know, he, he's, he's a minister of the gospel. He said, I want to get baptized again. By the way, he's going to minister on, baptiz- on the baptism, water baptism in two weeks because he said God showed him some very in- incredible things and insight in what water baptism really means. But I love what he said. He said, I'm so glad we've got this, you know, portable. And he said, I'm so glad it has a drain. He says, because the old man is washed down the drain. I thought that was so good. And that's the way we should look at it. The old man is gone. The new man is here. We, we walk in that power of Holy Spirit if we're following Christ. Only if we're following Christ. We can't walk as the world and expect to have the power. We might have the gift, but we may not have the power. You might be eloquent in your speech, but you may not have the power. When we're sick, we want somebody with power, don't we? Amen. So let me just give you some characteristics of people that are inhabitants of God's unshakable kingdom. These are just a few. Next week, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to minister, unless the Lord changes my mind, on how not to be deceived in this day that we're living in. But number one, inhabitants of God's unsta- unshakable kingdom know who they are. They know their God identity. You've got to know that. You've got to know who you are in Christ. Every problem we deal with at, at Genesis, even here at church, is because people don't know who they are. People do not know who they are. And they're walking in an identity that's broken. They're walking in an identity that's been assigned to them by someone else, either a parent or or whoever, a school teacher, or a doctor, or whoever it might be, somebody that labeled them as something. When Jesus, he, you know, he's our identity. We are sons and daughters of God, and we have to learn obedience through the word. If you want to walk in power, make sure the devil has nothing in common with you. We're sons and daughters of God who have relationship with God. John 1.12 says, all who believe, he gives us the authority to be called what? A child of God. We have that authority. We have that, that position. 
And sons and daughters of God listen to his voice and follow him. Jesus says, I don't do anything unless the Father tells me. In 2020, that's who we have to be. We can't be going off on our own. We've got to hear the voice of God and move in that direction. And it's amazing to me how many times we see that uh, others are hearing the same thing. Confirmation from so many that we respect. Number two. Inhabitants of God's unshakable kingdom know and follow God's word. And we have to develop a love for this word. Don't just eat on Sunday mornings. Okay? Don't just eat on Sunday mornings. You need to eat all through the week. John 17, 17, Jesus says his word is truth. Sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. Let me tell you, whatever situation you're going through, God's word is truth concerning that. You've got a sickness in your body, this word is truth. If you've got a financial need, his word is truth. If you've got emotional issues, his word is truth. And there's an answer to every problem in life right here. This is a great parenting book, by the way. If you need to know how to parent, get into the word. He'll teach you. you need to, it's a great marriage manual. It's a great life book. Psalm 119, 160 says, The sum of his word is truth, and it is eternal. The sum of God's word is truth, and it is eternal. His word is forever settled in the heavens, is what it tells us. Psalm 119.9 says, The word keeps our way pure. And we need this in the world we are in today. There's so much, so many, especially our young people, are being bombarded with perversion and filth. And they've been raised on a steady diet of this stuff. And so is there any reason when they get to be teenagers, everything just seems normal to them? So we, we need to get into the word and keep our way pure. If God's word says we don't partake of these things, we don't partake of these things. If we want his power, if we want to be obedient. Am I talking to the right crowd? If you've got questions about some social agendas, check the word of God out. Check the word of God out. Acts 17, 11 says, Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. I tell you, it's, it's very important that we purify our life and align it according to the Word of God. And if we're involved today, if you're really wanting to move forward for God in 2020, examine your life in light of the Scriptures. And if you're involved in something, you better get out of it if you really want God to move. If you want the power of God operative in your life, we need to, move, we need to live, put our life according to the Word of God. Align our life according to the Word of God. We've got to devour the Word. The Word has got to be the context in which we do life. It's got to be the context. Let me tell you, we have six grandchildren. We know how crazy that sounds to them. That you would, you know, mom, dad, mammy, papa. You know, that's just... But let me tell you, it's the only way. It's the way of life. Number three... Inhabitants of God's unshakable kingdom are accountable. They're no long, there's no time for long rangers. I told this group yesterday that. But we don't have time to be long rangers. We don't have time to be long rangers. We need the body of Christ. We need to be together. Don't start splintering off because you think you got all the answers. No one has all the answers, right? Nobody has all the answers. Second uh, Peter 1.20 says, Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. Let me read something from uh, R.C. Sproul. Um, It says, Although tradition does not rule our interpretations, it does guide it. This is very important, especially in light of today, because so many people are 
are, are going back and, and misinterpreting the scripture on the new, um, new um, I guess, uh, social agenda, knowledge, whatever you want to call it. So they're taking scripture and, and they're interpreting it in light of their life choices rather than interpreting their life choices in light of the scripture. Is that making sense? So it says, although tradition does not rule our interpretation, it does guide it. If upon reading a particular passage you come upon with an interpretation that has escaped the notice of every other Christian for 2,000 years or has been championed by universally recognized heretics, chances are pretty good that you'd better abandon your interpretation. Right? Oh, this is not what I'd really meant in this. You know, we go back and, and somebody, when I was talking to someone, when, actually I was writing a blog and, and I was answering a thing and I said, it seems strange to me that over 2,000 or 6,000 years, all these prophets, all these learned theologians, suddenly were coming up with all this knowledge that totally counters everything they've ever taught for all these years. And we're totally changing our whole mind on, on just morals and values in life. And all these years, no one caught that but you. Aren't we smart? Does that make sense? It seems odd. This is also something Spurgeon said. It seems odd that certain men who talk so much of what the Holy Spirit reveals to them should think so little of what he has revealed to others. You know what He's saying... I think so much of what God is showing me that I have no thought for what he's been showing all these others who have paid the price. We're in t- we're, we are responsible to interpret the scriptures, not manipulate them. We are taught to interpret the scriptures and not manipulate them. So when people come and they want to know, why is my life not working? I say, let's look at your life in context with the scripture. First of all, you need to move out. Don't shack up. That's immor- immorality. Right? It's quiet. I don't think anybody here is doing that right. You need to forgive. You need to drop the, the immoral lifestyle. You need to quit hating. You need to quit slandering. Then come back when you've done that, and then let's talk about getting your life in line. We tell people, we have nothing to offer you but this. That's all we have to offer you. No three steps to victory other than this. And if we want to be powerful and victorious in 2020, this is the way it's got to be done. Lastly, we have to be people of discernment. We have to discern evil. We have to be able to discern evil. Does it not amaze you that we can live in the culture we live in and, and, and sometimes people just don't see anything wrong with some of the stuff that's going on? The horrible things that are going on in our nation, the murdering of babies the gay agenda. We don't discern the evil and all this that's going on, the accusations, the lies. We have to be able to discern. 1 Corinthians 12.10 says that we should pray or God gives to others a discerning of spirits, and that's talking specifically about discernment of evil. We have to be able to discern evil. Can you walk into a place and discern the evil that's present? When you're talking to someone, can you discern the evil motivations? If we're follow, or following the Spirit, we can do that. First John 4, 1 says, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. You know, there's so much that's given on TV and radio. Test those spirits. Make sure they're in agreement with the Word of God. What's their motivation? What are they after? Are they after your money? Are they, are they really desiring for you to walk in the way that's going to bring God glory? 
we told you the we told you the story so funny it's not funny it's really sad but we we turned the tv on this was several years ago and this guy was had said that the holy spirit told him that if 12 people would call in the next five minutes or whatever that that god would send them a thousand dollars was going to excuse me give him a thousand dollars god would bless them right and he would personally phone call them yeah if if that's right if 12 people in 10 minutes or something would send him $1,000, God would bless them and that he would give them a personal phone call. And so we just kind of skipped by. Then about an hour later, there was a rerun. So if you, if 10 people in the next, 12 people in the next 10 minutes call me, I'm thinking, well, that was the same guy that was there an hour ago. So we have to be careful. We have to discern the spirit of what's going on. I think he's in jail now, by the way. Yeah. He is. I mean, seriously, it's sad. It's so sad. Because, see, it brings a bad name to the gospel. Because there's people that truly are for the, for the glory of God. And, yes, it takes money to do things, but that's not our motivation. God provides, doesn't he? First John 4, 1, I would just said that. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Be careful of the prophetic voices in 2020. If you, if you have the Spirit of God in you, you're going to be able to detect the, the false voice that's coming forth. Who's it glorifying? Matthew 24, 5, For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. That's why we're going to talk about deception next week. We do not want to be deceived. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, For the God of this world has blinded the unbeliever's mind that they should not discern the truth. We say all the time, and you know, and I know you've thought it too, how can somebody read this word and believe some of the things that are believed in our nation? We just saw where one of the major denominations is splitting over a social agenda. That's sad. It's so sad. How can they read the word and not know what God says? How can they do that? I don't, you know, it's, it's that discernment is gone. I don't, I don't, don't understand it. Understand, if you will. I just want to encourage you as you move into 2020. I want you to ask God to show you, reveal in your heart what he wants to get rid of. God, reveal in my heart anything that's causing me to lose kingdom power and giving it to the enemy. Reveal in my heart, God, anything that's going to stop me from walking in that calling you called me to walk in. To heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out devils, to spread the good news, to make disciples. God, reveal in my heart anything that's missing. Show me, Father, what I have accepted as truth. The little things that we just kind of just you know slide over, don't give it a second thought, and it's really not pleasing to God. We, I'll just tell you this. We were talk, I said this yesterday. Some of you heard it, but we were talking to a really good friend of ours who loves God with all her heart and soul. I know her. I trust her with anything. But this is how easy we can fall into things. And they were at another place and having a conversation and, and somebody came in who we all like and love and, and they're just asking some questions and things like that. And she said, and kind of got, began to get on the nurse and said, the two of them just kind of rolled their eyes at each other. And when we were listening to this, I, you know, I, at first I thought, well, you know, just cute. But then the Lord said, no, that's not cute. That's not cute. Because what we do when we roll our eyes, we're dishonoring someone. And so now in their minds, this guy was dishonored, even though we all love him and care for him and all this, but he was dishonored. 
See, it's those little tiny things that we do. He was being judged. He was being belittled. And, and you know, and, and this person, he's a very ex- extremely intelligent, successful person. But, you know, we, we sometimes tend to do these little things without thinking. We roll our eyes, our body language, we discount. We don't honor people. We need to honor each other. You know, regardless of where you've been, I tell you, you're a child of God. You've got everything any of us have. We're all, we're all the same. We're all equal in God's eyes. We belong to him. We're his children. Johnny, you have as much power in your life as anyone has in here. And you have the ability to walk through every situation you're going through. And you don't have to let the devil continue to rip you apart. And you, You've got that authority and that power. And God is telling me to tell you to start walking in it in 2020. Don't you allow the enemy to rob you one more day. Don't you allow him to keep you awake one more minute at night. Walk in who you know you are. You're an awesome woman of God. God is precious. He's good. He only has good things in store for us. So I want to pray over you, and then the ushers will come. We'll receive the tithe and offering. Remember, our Daniel fast starts today. There's guidelines in the back if you want to participate with that. And um, a little devotional guideline as well. For 21 days, we're going to just walk the Daniel fast. And what's the purpose of doing that? It's not just so we can lose weight. That would be a great side effect, wouldn't it? (laughs) Or consequence, I should say. It's not so we can just lose weight, although that would be good. But we need to lose spiritual weight. And if we follow through with our devotional guidelines, we will will allow the Holy Spirit to pierce our hearts, to examine us. Daniel was an incredible man of God. He went through lots of opportunities to compromise, and he didn't do it. He even got thrown into the lion's den, but God was with him. God was with him. So, Father, I thank you for just your presence here today. I thank you, Father, for all the people that were healed in in this place this morning. I thank you, Father God, for the glory of God shining in this place. I thank you, Father God, that we have an opportunity to come before you and just worship you and exalt you, Lord. And Father, I pray that this word, we would become, Lord, during these 21 days that we're fasting and even before, Father God, that we would have such a hunger for the word and not for food. Lord, that we would desire to follow you, Father God, and not the ways of the world. That we would have a desire, Lord, to please you, to bring glory, Father God, to you. I thank you, Father God, that signs, wonders, and miracles are going to flow in the lives. I believe in these 21 days that some of you are going to see such powerful signs, wonders, and miracles in your personal life. They're going to be happening in your own home, in your own bodies. God, I thank you for that. Just like with Daniel, Lord, in the lions, and you were there. I could just see him patting the lions. Lord, you were there in the midst of it. You shut the mouth of the lion. And God, I thank you that you're going to shut the mouth of lions and lives of people in 2020. Thank you, Father. Bless you, Lord. Father, we just pray blessing upon every person here. I pray peace. I pray health. I pray prosperity in 2020. I thank you, Father God, for a greater hunger for you than we've ever had. 